Morning. I really enjoyed the uh, Christmas concert last night. So to all of you who performed, thank you. And uh, well done. That was great. Pray with me, will you? Father, we lit the joy candle this morning and, and our hearts are, are filled with joy as we think about the coming of the Lord Jesus, something that we have known and yet something that we get to enter into afresh as we look through these passages that speak of, of his coming and as we anticipate his second coming for his own. And so, Father, I pray that you would help us as we um, seek to be faithful to your word. I pray that you would give us opportunity to share the joy that we have with others who, who need joy in their lives as well. Joy that transcends circumstances, joy that comes only through a relationship with you. So, Father, I pray that you would tune our hearts to the people around us that you've entrusted relationship with us, and I pray that you would uh, help us to um, find those opportunities you give to share the joy we have in Jesus' name. Amen. We are looking these days uh, of Advent at the family God gave Jesus. If you were picking uh, the family that the Son of God would be raised in, what things would you look for? Last week, we considered aunts and uncles, extended family, and we saw that in the New Testament, extended family, the word that's used there means more than blood relatives. It, it refers to a whole network of relationships, people that you do business with, people that you know in your neighborhood. This is your extended family. And we saw that that idea of extended family became the primary vehicle for the spread of the gospel. It spreads naturally through these relationships, and it still does. These are ready relationships. These are relationships with people who know you, people who have seen you in action, and people who then are ready to receive the message that you bring when you tell your story to them. So the challenge I gave last week was to identify three people in your extended family, three people that you know who don't yet know the Lord, and just pray for them uh, throughout this Advent season and look for opportunities to share with them the good news that you have uh, come to embrace yourself. I, I hope you're able to do that. I, I hope that you can discuss with one another how that's going as you seek to reach out to your extended family. This week, we want to look at uh, another aspect of the family God gave Jesus, and that is his earthly father, Joseph. One of my favorite songs of the Christmas season was written by Michael Card. It's called Joseph's Song, and I think it really grabs well the anxiety that Joseph feels about becoming the earthly father to God's only son. He asks, how can a man be father to the Son of God? Lord, for all my life I've been a simple carpenter. How can I raise a king? Joseph is, is characterized by a, a simple, honest lifestyle. He is a working man. 
And he wonders how he can provide for the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Every indication of Scripture indicates that Joseph was a man of humble means. He didn't have much to give. And yet he did. I'd like to look this morning at what Joseph gave Jesus as Jesus grew up in Joseph's home. And I'd like for us to see in his gifts something that we as well can pass along to others. So look with me again at that first chapter of Matthew's gospel and try to see it through Joseph's eyes as I read it to you. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way when his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph. Before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man, unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, as uh, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, he took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. What did Joseph give to Jesus as Jesus grew up in Joseph's home. I'd like to suggest a couple of things that he gave, and the first of them is a heritage. He gave him a heritage. Did it ever occur to you to ask why the lineage that's traced back in Matthew chapter 1 is Joseph's and not Mary's? After all, if he wasn't the natural father of Jesus, why would his lineage matter at all? It matters because Joseph would give that lineage to Jesus as his adoptive father. Look at chapter 1, verse 1. It says, The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David. Son of David. Now look at verse 20. And the angel says to Joseph, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. Son of David. Now early tradition suggests Mary was a descendant of David as well. But the inevitable conclusion of this passage is that Joseph, the son of David, gave his proud heritage to his adopted son, Jesus. It's quite a gift. Did you know that Jewish boys would memorize their genealogy? It's still done 
in Middle Eastern culture, guess where they'd learn it? They learn it from their father. And when they would become fathers, they would teach it to their sons. Look over that list of names in Matthew chapter 1 and picture Joseph teaching his heritage to Jesus as a boy, telling him of the heroes of the faith in their family history. Each one has a story, and Joseph would unpack that story for his adopted son, Jesus. He'd speak of the faith of Abraham, who was ready to sacrifice his son, Isaac. He would speak of the love story of Ruth and Boaz. He would speak of the bravery of David as he defended his flock and then as he stood against the giant Goliath. He'd talk about the wisdom of Solomon, how people would come from all over to hear Solomon's wisdom. He'd talk about the righteousness of Hezekiah who reopened the temple And he would say, son, this is your heritage, your heritage. It's like he's saying, all this was entrusted to me, and I am now giving it to you. One of my most prized possessions is my grandfather's confirmation Bible. I can't read a word of it, because it's written in Swedish. (laughs) But... I treasure it because it speaks of a godly heritage handed down to me. My father gave it to me along with his name. And I bear that name uh, with with a sense of honor because it was part of the, the legacy, the heritage my father gave me. Joseph gave his name and his heritage to his adopted son, Jesus. So parents especially fathers among us, I want to encourage you to hand down a godly heritage to your children. No one in his deathbed ever said, I really wish I had spent more time at the office. The only thing that seems to matter at that time, besides the condition of his own soul, is what kind of heritage he's passed on to his children. The best way to prepare for that day is to invest now and the things that will allow you to pass on a godly heritage to your children. And it's never too late to make that kind of investment. Acts chapter 11, verse 26 tells us that the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. Christian, Christ one, identifying us with Christ. It expresses a name and a heritage that's been given to us to bear the name of Christ. What a heritage we have being given Christ's name. Carry it well and pass that heritage along. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 13 and 14 says this, Follow the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. By the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. Good deposit. The gospel has been entrusted to us. Guard that good deposit well. It's your heritage. Pass it along. 
So the first thing Joseph gave Jesus was a heritage. And the second was an example. He gave an example. The other question that has always perplexed me in this passage is why did Joseph consider divorcing Mary? Wasn't, was their communication so bad that she didn't tell him she was pregnant until she began to show? Did he so distrust her that he wouldn't believe her story? What kind of dysfunctional relationship are we looking at here? But think about the sequence that we looked at last week in Luke chapter 1. Mary gets word from the angel Gabriel that she is going to bear the Son of God. And then Gabriel tells her that her relative Elizabeth is also going to bear a very special child. And right away, she leaves Nazareth to visit Elizabeth so the two of them can share their joy and celebrate what God is doing in each of their lives. And the text tells us she stays there with Elizabeth for three months. So from the time Gabriel has let her know that she's going to bear the Son of God till the time she is back in Nazareth is, is at least three months and possibly much more. Luke chapter 1 says that Zechariah and Elizabeth lived in the hill country of Judea. And that would put them pretty close to Jerusalem. And that makes sense. Zechariah was a priest, needed to be around the temple. But Mary lived in Nazareth. And conservative estimates put that around 70 miles away from the home of Zechariah and Elizabeth. Not exactly an easy commute. And without telephones and such things, Mary was cut off completely from communication with Joseph. When she returned to Nazareth, verse 18 tells us she was found to be with child. In other words, she was obviously expecting. And word would have quickly spread as she walked around town. Joseph might even have heard it from someone else before he heard it from Mary. And this is all before the dream where God reveals to Joseph all that's going on. But in this context, we learn some really important things about the man Joseph. And the godly example his adopted son Jesus would have seen growing up in Joseph's home. Verse 19 tells us that he was a just man. It's a just man. The NIV says he was a righteous man. He wanted to order his life and order his family's life according to the word of God. He was a just man. Man. And when he learned that his fiancee Mary was expecting, he had little choice in terms of what he would have to do. To get a better picture, we need to understand there were three phases of a courtship in those days. Phase one was called engagement, and it was generally arranged between parents when the children were very young. Uh, can you imagine it? Kids, can you imagine your parents picking out your future spouse for you and looking at horrified faces? And, and I'll sidebar, I'll tell you, when, when I was young, I thought, that's a terrible idea. And then I became a parent, and I think, this is a great idea. 
I, I trust my judgment a whole lot more than my daughters. They did well. They did well. Phase one, engagement. Phase two was betrothal. It was the ratification of the engagement when the children were of age. And it would last a year. And it could only be ended by death or divorce. So once you enter into that, that final year before actual marriage, you're in this period where only death or divorce can end it. We, we would read about virgin widows. In other words, women who were engaged whose fiancé died. Virgin widows. So only death or divorce could end it. And then the marriage, after the year of betrothal, there'd be a ceremony and the, the couple then would take up residence together as husband and wife. So Mary, in verse 18, was found to be pregnant. In other words, it was obvious she was expecting during the betrothal. During that year, Joseph would have to follow what the law prescribed, and that is to divorce Mary. The only question open to him was public or private. That's all. And here we find another characteristic of Joseph. He was gracious. He was a gracious man. In verse 19, it tells us he didn't want to shame Mary. He could have insisted he was wronged. Uh, he could have insisted that the woman he'd been engaged to, he was now betrothed to, was damaged goods. He could have subjected her to public disgrace through public divorce. He could even have insisted she be stoned to death as an adulteress. But verse 19 tells us that he didn't want to put her to shame. That word means making her a public spectacle. It comes from a word that means example or warning. Joseph didn't want to make an example out of Mary. Instead, he planned to do what he had to do privately. With only one or two or three witnesses, just enough to formally end the betrothal. Think about Joseph now, uh, described as a just man, described also as a gracious man. Think about the combination of those two traits, justice and graciousness, uprightness and grace, truth and grace. Truth without grace is harsh and exacting. Grace without truth is fluff. It has no substance. You need both grace and truth. You know who else had both? John chapter 1, verse 14. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We have seen His glory, glory as the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus saw all of that growing up in the home of Joseph. Grace and truth. One more thing about the example that Joseph would have passed on to Jesus, and that is he was a faithful man, a man full of faith, a man who was willing to trust God for what he couldn't see or control. Look again at verse 20. 
And as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Jesus, Yeshua, salvation. He will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Joseph acted on what the angel told him. He acted on what the angel said God wanted him to do. It would mean forsaking his own desires relative to his relationship with Mary. It tells us they had no union until after Jesus' birth. It would mean disregarding the opinions of others about the legitimacy of his adopted son. Can you imagine the ridicule it would mean going against the popular culture to do what God had called him to do. People would be urging him to put her away, at least. But he would go against all of that because he wanted to be faithful to what God had revealed to him. Joseph was faithful even when faithfulness was difficult. Joseph gave his adopted son an example of a just man, a gracious man, a faithful man. So much of what we think of God, we learn very early in life at the knee of our parents. I wonder if God picked Joseph because he so resembled the qualities of God the Father that Jesus would need to see at an early age. One of my favorite Amy Grant songs is My Father's Eyes. You know that one? She expresses in that song her hope that, that people will see her and say she has her father's eyes, and she spells it with a capital F. Joseph had his father's eyes. A reflection of the love of God the Father as he cared for his adopted son. We don't see Joseph anymore after Jesus is 12 years old. Most likely he died early, but he made his mark. There are no guarantees for any of us how long we will have to make our mark. Fathers, let me ask you, what mark are you making? Are you showing your children through your example something of what your heavenly fathers like? Maybe you're not a father, maybe you're not a parent, maybe uh, you're a single person, or a young person, or you're a mom, or you're an empty nester. Whatever your age or station in life, there are lives you can make a mark on, lives you can influence with a heritage and an example. The same two gifts Joseph gave Jesus. This Christmas season, along with all of the gifts that you give, 
don't overlook those two. You'll find uh, some questions for further thought in your program. I hope they'll be helpful to you as you go through the week. Would you join with me in prayer? Father, thank you for the example of Joseph, for what he gave to your son Jesus while Jesus was living under his roof. And I thank you, Father, that those two things, a heritage and an example, are things that we can give as well. And I pray that you'd help us to be diligent to do that. I pray that we would live lives that honor you, that trust you, that put our faith into action, and that we could pass that along to others around us, that you have put us into a position to have influence over and in the lives of. And so we commit ourselves to you, Father, and ask that you'd use us for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen.